0: Doubt is no match for the Lord of faith. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. We are going through the life of Christ as told by Luke. And if you remember back when we started this series a long, long time ago, seemingly, um, Luke tells us why he writes this gospel. He tells us why he spent the hours collecting the data, why he talked to so many people, spent years of his life collecting stories of Jesus seeking to rectify the things that people said together into an orderly account. He does it that we may have certainty. And yet in this story, we find one who does not have certainty. Look with me in Luke chapter 7. And it's not one that you would expect to doubt. It's not one that you would expect to have serious questions of his faith. And yet here he is, Luke 7. Stand with me as we read from verses 18-18 through 23. This is God's word. And if you let it, it will change your life. Luke seven eighteen begins. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John, the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Father, may we not be offended by Christ, but may we put our faith in Him. Use Your Word in this time to change us. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We don't expect John the Baptist to be doubting. We expect Thomas to be doubting, right? He's the doubter. We expect Peter to be the one denying as though he had lost faith. But we don't expect John the Baptist. We don't expect that this faithful servant of Christ, one who was set apart before He was born, one at whom angels came to His parents to tell would be the one to precede the Messiah. The voice crying out in the wilderness, you don't expect to be asking, are you the one or shall we look for another? If we're honest, all of us face moments, times, season of doubt. You think, well... My faith just must not be strong enough if I'm doubting. Maybe. But sometimes hard situations can do that to you. They can rock you to your core. Make you question everything. What if I'm wrong? What if what I've built my life upon isn't right? Or or what if it's true, but I just haven't done it the right way? When I was in college, I faced a season of doubt. It came to a head during a conference, a collegiate evangelism conference. We were there in Dalton, Georgia, the capital of the world for carpet. It's what Dalton is known for. I don't remember the carpet where we were. I remember the doubt. I remember the questions that had me begging God for an answer. Have I really trusted Christ? I didn't doubt God's strength. I didn't doubt God's power. I didn't doubt that God would save me. I didn't doubt any of that. I didn't doubt that he could or that he would. I doubted whether I was sincere in my faith or whether I had just coaxed myself to believe that I was a genuine believer when I wasn't. Is my faith genuine or is it something that I'm just pretending? Something that I mean well, but I'm not really trusting him question that shook me. It's questions like that that haunt us in our dreams or rather in our sleepless nights when we wish we were dreaming. Questions that cause us to stare off into the distance during the day and not really be able to handle the business at hand. Questions that make our stomachs churn with anxiety. Questions that make us wonder, am I really a believer? Or is my whole life a lie? I have a feeling that that's a little bit of what John was feeling. John John was in prison because he challenged the power at hand. He pointed out Herod's sin. That's why he was imprisoned. But you know, doubt doesn't have to hit in a dungeon or a jail cell. It doesn't have to come as a result of persecution. You can be just as in prison walking around freely, can't you? You can be just as imprisoned in the thoughts of your mind, and they make far worse captors than the worst prison warden. The jail cell of our doubts is far more secure than Folsom Prison ever could be. And it doesn't matter how strong of a witness you have or are. It doesn't matter how good of a Christian you are. It doesn't matter what you've done for God. There will come times when you will question everything. He gets a report from his disciples. There have been stories floating around about the things Jesus is doing, how he's healing the blind, the lame, and the deaf, and the mute. I mean, even in the prior verses, Jesus interrupted a funeral procession to raise the boy from the dead. But when there's doubts lingering in your mind, those things, those reports, those it's almost like a rumor that just seems too good to be true. There's no way that happened. The doubts for John were lingering. He was, after all, suffering. Too often go hand in hand, don't they? No matter how many stories he had heard, he just couldn't shake the questions. Can I speak some grace into your life for a moment? It's okay to have sincere questions. I don't want to rush into the solution because we don't live in the solution. We live in the anxiety that comes between having the problem and it getting resolved. We live with the chords of life disharmonious in our ears. There's that one sharp, that one flat that just throws everything off. There's that, there's that mix of notes that just, oh, it's like it just find resolution. We live in those moments and they're uncomfortable. They make a squirm, and they should make a squirm because something's not right, something's just just off it 's wrong and, and, and it w- we seek to find a resolution because we know we 're not supposed to be there, and yet days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months, and the doubts still linger, and not only just somewhere in the back head they're starting to get louder. I want you to feel this because You felt it before. I want you to identify with John because we're all in the same place he was in in this passage. And I don't want us to rush to the solution and miss the pain of the problem because too often times we wallpaper over our problems and act like they're not there and we don't deal with them. This morning I want you to deal with Maybe you have a doubt that's been lingering. Maybe you have questions that have been unanswered for weeks or months or years or even decades. I don't want you to keep in that same position. I don't want you there where all the doubt is assailing you day after day, night after night, and you're not getting sleep, you're not getting rest because you are so shaken and you don't know how to deal with it. I don't want you there. It's time to resolve the doubts. And not just let them fester and grow. It's time to deal with them today. John decides it was time to deal with them. In this particular passage, he has heard these stories. But the doubts just won't go away. So, he sends his disciples. He can't go. He's imprisoned. But he sends two of his disciples. Verse 19, calling two of his disciples to him, he sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? It seems strange coming from John. I mean, John was the one who was there baptizing Jesus when he heard the voice from heaven. Luke 3.22 You are my beloved Son. With you I'm well pleased. He hears the voice from heaven saying that to Christ with his own ears. I fully believe he heard it. Some people think, well, maybe only Jesus heard it. I don't think so. I think John heard it too. And I'd be surprised if the rest of the folks standing there didn't hear it too. This was the same guy who looks one day. He's preaching. He's talking to folks. He's telling them about the one who is to come. And he sees Christ walking up. And John 1.29 says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's him. That's him. That's the one I'm talking about. That's the one I've been telling you about. That's the one that I'm telling you to follow. Here he is. And yet he's wondering if Christ is the one. Doubt will do that to you. It'll make you question everything. Now doubt doesn't just mean that you don't believe. John has complete confidence. He knows that God is able. He knows that God has made the promise and he's going to fulfill it. He knows that. He knows that Jesus is God's son. I'm I believe he has absolute certainty that God is going to do what he's declared he's going to do. I don't think that's the question. I think the question for John is, did I miss the boat? Did I jump ahead? Did I identify him and maybe something was wrong about what I understood? Did I make the problem? I think John's doubt is in himself. How many of us know Know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God is doing. But we wonder if maybe we're not doing the right thing. Ever been there? Boy, I have. Did I mess up? I had no doubt in my mind of what God promised. My doubt was, did I really trust him? My question was, is something wrong with me? Look how Jesus handles John's doubts. Now, you would expect Jesus to teach. And he does. He does. That's not the first thing he does. Luke inserts something. And I think he inserts it here because this is what happens in the story. I think this maybe is what's going on as folks coming to Jesus. Maybe he's involved in doing what's in verse 21. Maybe as they're asking him the question, he is still involved in doing it. Look at 21. In that hour, that's a Greek idiom. He's saying at that time. He's not just saying... Within an hour, he's doing it. No, he's doing it at the same time. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. Jesus is going around healing. You know, the same things that they had been reporting to John, the same things they came and said to John, John, you gotta hear about this. You gotta hear about the stuff that Jesus has been doing. He's doing it in front of them. Notice, he doesn't just teach. He doesn't just give them a lecture on how to get rid of your doubt. Seven ways of destroying your doubt in easy steps to total trust. He doesn't do that. He doesn't scold John. He doesn't say, why don't you believe on you? You're supposed to be the one going before. You're supposed to be the voice crying out in the wilderness. You shouldn't be having questions. He doesn't do that. You know what he does he does the same thing he's been doing he just does god's work he heals and then he says then he teaches at the beginning of these verses they were reporting to john something that they had heard we have songs about that kind of thing Ooh, i heard it through the grapevine right we have it's hearsay it's it's something that nobody takes as truth at least nobody's smart Takes his truth. Some people take hearsay as truth and they really shouldn't. But now they're not hearsaying. They're not, they're not hearing what someone else says and then going and telling. This isn't gossip. This isn't, this isn't what's going on in the rumor mill or on the grapevine. This is something they're watching, something they're seeing, something they're hearing, something they're experiencing. They see it happen firsthand. It's no longer just hearsay. It's no longer just the gossip. Now I know it's true. Because I'm watching it happen. Then he can teach. He shows them what he's doing first of all. It's not just second or third hand information. Now it is eyewitness testimony. They've watched him. Remember a couple of weeks ago I said that some people won't follow Jesus until they see him in work, at work. Jesus doesn't come to Levi and say, follow me, just out of nowhere. Levi has just seen him heal a paraplegic. A paralyzed man on a mat that his friends are trying to tear open the roof to get him to see Jesus because they know they just got to get him to see Jesus. And the guy's walking off with his bed. Levi's watching all this happen. And then Jesus walks up and says, follow me. After seeing what Christ has done, is Levi ready to follow him? And boy, is the same true. The same is true for all of us. The same is true for those of us who are not in the room. The same is true for people who will never come inside this building. They need to see Jesus before they can trust him, before they can follow him. After demonstrating truth through his actions, then Jesus teaches, verse 22, and he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. What have they seen and heard? The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. You know what Jesus does? He says, testify. That word testify, that's what a witness does in court. You get an eyewitness, they testify. They tell the court what they've seen and heard, right? There's another closely related word, testimonial. Flipping through the channels late at night because you can't sleep, because those doubts are getting you and and you just can't, you're just trying to distract yourself from dealing with them. You flip through and you see an infomercial, some product that you didn't even know could exist or or why in the world anybody would think this up. I don't know, but there's a commercial for it on late night TV. And there's all these testimonials. There's doctors saying how it's worked great for their patients. There's people saying how they love to use it and how it's so easy and all of these kinds of things, right? This is what I've seen. This is what I've the experiences that i've had you know what jesus really telling him to do he's telling him to testify he's saying you don't need to give him a list of prophecies that i'm fulfilled that i've fulfilled he knows the prophecies give him a checklist of reasons he should believe just tell him what's happening he'll know do you know why he takes this approach with john because john already knows the truth see doubt doesn't mean you don't know the truth In this case, John already knew. When John heard this, I'm absolutely certain. I know that the prophecies of Isaiah are jumping into his head. Prophecies like Isaiah chapter 35. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, the Lord, your God, will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Then the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Where have I heard that before? Where have I seen that before? That's what Christ is doing. He's just doing exactly what the Messiah should be doing. God knows the truth. Then the lame man will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Tell him what you've seen and heard. Because John knows that those are the things. The truth is the thing that will set you free from the death that is assailing you. The truth of the Scripture. Go back to the Word of God. Look at what God has said about Messiah. And look at what Jesus is doing and the two line up perfectly how could you not know doubt is no match for the lord of faith because doubt depends on you not looking at the truth it depends on you relying on feeling relying on emotion relying on whim and not on the truth you want to deal with your doubt the truth that's how you deal with doubt that's not just any truth. It's not just generic truth that anybody and everybody, no. It takes God's truth. You want to handle the big questions of life, you need the big God speaking the truth. You don't need a petty little God who does what you want him to do, who looks how you want him to look, who acts how you want him to act. You don't need that. J.B. Phillips wrote a book, title says it all, your God is too small. If you are designing God the way you like him, He's too small. He's just not do it. Those questions will destroy your God if that's all he is. But the God of the Scripture, he can handle your doubt. The Lord of faith, he can handle your doubt. There's one more thing Jesus says. By the way, if someone you know is facing doubt, you know how you help them? Testify. Tell them what you've seen and heard. Tell them what God has done. Tell them truth, and let that make the difference. Jesus said one more thing. And boy, it's a stinger. He's good at this. He's good at saying that one line that just drives deep into the core. It really hits home. Verse 23. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do? That word not offended, uh, the word offended is where we get our word scandalized from. You see, people... People faced with the truth do one of two things. They either accept it or reject it. They either take it in and make it a part of who they are and what they do, or they throw it away because it's too uncomfortable. I don't like that. I don't want to deal with that. Jesus says, when you have truth, you're blessed if it doesn't scandalize you. If you're willing to accept it, if you're willing to apply it, if you're willing to live by it, Then you'll be blessed. This is the same blessed as blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's the kind of blessing that the psalmist writes, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. It's the kind of blessed that leads to the kind of happiness that isn't temporal, that doesn't just last for a little while and then fall away. It's the kind of blessed that will carry you through the doubt. It's the kind of blessed that will make your life more abundant, the kind of life that God wants you to live. I'm not saying richer. I'm not saying healthier. I'm saying the kind of life that's worth living. Blessed to see who is not offended by me. So I ask you, what do you do with this? What do we, what do we do with it? What do we, how do we, how do we respond? Well, if you're going through doubt, search the scriptures, ask God to help you, go to the fount of truth, and come face to face with Messiah. If you're not going through doubt, be patient with those who are, and testify to what you've seen and heard. If you've never trusted Christ, then it's time to put in the Lord. I'm going to be up here at the front while we sing an invitation hymn. But first, let me pray for you. Father, this is your time. You, the Lord of faith, we're asking you to deal with our doubt. Help us to trust you. Help us to be confident in you, to have certainty that you are exactly who you say you are. And to know that our faith in you is not misplaced. Father, help us to do your will. Help us to have faith instead of doubt. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.